I love this uh, gospel reading. It's a, it's a, it is a great gospel reading. It, is, it happens on Easter evening. So it's Easter that day. So like last weekend we had Divine Mercy Sunday and we had the read, reading where they, um, um, they had Jesus, who Jesus comes to the apostles. So this is actually happening at the same time that Jesus is appearing before the apostles. Now, Easter morning was with the women at the tomb, right? So that's Easter. And so now this is the, the third event on that same day, Easter, Easter Sunday. And so it's the first day of the week on Easter, so it's a Sunday. And that's why we celebrate the Mass on Sundays, because that's the day of the resurrection. It is the day that our Lord Jesus rose from the dead in all his power and his glory. And it so happened to be that on this day, we show, we're shown here that this is the second Mass that Jesus celebrates. So, and it's Easter. So it kind of gives you an idea. It's like, wait a minute, there's something very important here. So this is after the life, after he died, he rose, and the first, one of the first things he does is celebrates Mass. On that day, on that day he rose. So when you see here is that they're walking along the way and Jesus is reminding them of the scriptures. So that's the liturgy of the word. That's the part of the mass that we have. The liturgy of the word. We rejoice in the word being read to us. We, we rejoice in the word of God, discovering the truth of God and the goodness of God through sacred scriptures. And actually, um, you know, it, now the Bible at this time is not fully set. It takes 300 years before the Bible is fully set. But as time goes by, Paul writes his letters. Peter writes his letters. Jude writes his letters. And then as they write their letters, they're being read at the Mass. And so the Mass is already, first Easter is celebrated, the first Mass for Easter, right? Jesus' time, second time, he celebrated Mass. So the Mass is celebrated immediately, and it becomes the tradition of Christianity that the Mass would be celebrated, right? So that's the historical context of all that. So the Mass is being celebrated. We're not our hearts burning with fire, we're not our hearts burning with love for Jesus. And, you know, of course, if, if, if Jesus, you know, like if, if I were Jesus, of course, Jesus is not me. So I, I'd probably be giggling the whole time because, you know, they don't know who I am. And, and it's a big secret or something like that for now. And, and then he reveals himself in the breaking of the bread. And so how important that is that God... Jesus himself in the resurrection would make sure that the first Mass is celebrated, that the scriptures would be read, and that the Eucharist would come. And that the Eucharist would come. And he, it would come to us. And so it's a, it's a great thing to have the Eucharist to be able to come to us. And really when it comes down to it, like when the first, Jesus had the first Mass on that Thursday right before Easter, Holy Thursday, the night before he was to suffer. 
He took bread, right? It says here, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. This is in the gospel we just read. What does that remind you of? It should remind you of the Mass that we're celebrating today. You'll hear those words right before the consecration. And so he is celebrating the Mass and he's giving himself to us. And so um, when, we do, when we look at this act of worship that the Mass is, it's an amazing thing. This Easter Mass, the Easter Mass, um, Jesus, uh, it's a celebration of the Passover mystery. See, if you look at Exodus 12. God established the Exodus event to celebrate the Passover. And the Passover, a lot of people uh, don't understand, like, because they say, like, at the Mass, do this in memory of me, and you think it's, oh, just remember me. No. It's a new covenant. This is the blood in a new covenant. This is not just remembering. It's in memory. It's a remembrance. Um, there's no word to translate into what is actually happening. And so, give you a little bit of the historical context of the Passover, because it's the perpetual Passover. Verse, in chapter 12, verses 14 and 17 says, it must be perpetual forever. God says it must be perpetual, and the Mass is the fulfillment of that perpetual sacrifice. Right? So, um, the idea of memorial in the Mass and in the Passover of the Jewish people. So, the, the, the memorial isn't just like when, when, when the Jewish people celebrated the Passover, it was a living out with their ancestors. It wasn't like they were living out what they did years ago. It was a living out. Their, to them, their ancestors were with them. It was, they were experiencing that from the Exodus. That's why they had to be loins girt, staff in hand, unleavened bread, because there's not enough time. We're going. You know? And so that's how they celebrated. They were doing that with their ancestors. As far as they were concerned, their ancestors were present. It was like they were transported back in time to the time when they were saved from slavery to Egypt. Right? And this is the new Passover that doesn't save us from slavery to Egypt, but saves us from the slavery to sin. And so we are participating with our ancestors and with all the saints of old. And Jesus Christ is coming to us through time. It's the once and for all sacrifice that is made present to us today. And so we can be with Jesus as he is crucified for us. That event 2,000 years ago. It's the dream of Christianity. What would you do if you were able to be there with Jesus while he was dying on the cross for you? Would you praise him and thank him? The Mass is that opportunity to be with Jesus as he is dying for you, to worship him and adore him, to thank him and to praise him. That's what the Mass is all about. Right? It's an amazing gift to do that. Now, when you look at the, um, 
the gift of worship. Oh my goodness, this is an amazing thing. So now, even the pagans understood that, okay, we owe God our worship. Worship is a virtue, and worship is a virtue of religion. Right? I'll kind of explain this idea of religion a little bit more, too. Because people have got a false idea of what religion is. It's a virtue of religion that is an act of justice towards God. We owe God our worship. And it doesn't matter what God's character is. God is the creator of all things visible and invisible. That's why the pagans worship the way they do. Because they live in fear of God, but they know they have to worship God. They, give, they are giving God what is due to God. But as it happens to be, the character of God is love, is mercy, and is kindness. So we come here to worship God, to give God what we owe him. And he, in turn, comes to us and gives his very self to us. It's not enough for him to just give a gift. You know, sometimes we'll maybe bake some cookies for somebody. We give something that's outside of us and we'll make something, we'll do something for them. But God has made himself the gift. God has given himself to us in the Eucharist. We give him the bread and the wine and he in turn comes to us and he enters into our very bodies, renewing that holy and sacred temple of God that we are. He would enter into us. And that's the love of God. That's the graciousness of God. And that's what he does for our worship. It is an opportunity to grow in deeper intimacy with God. Because you can't get many, any more intimate than that. Now, one of the things I feel obliged to challenge you with, because I hear this a lot. You know, people will say, well, you know, that's just religion. I'll have my spirituality. As if... Religion is opposed to spirituality and hinders spirituality. That's false, and that's straight from Satan. You cannot have, let me tell you this, without religion, there would be no Bible. Without religion, there would be no Eucharist. Without religion, there would be no confession. Without religion, there would be a no anointing of the sick. Without religion, there would be no ecclesial body of people by which we come together and help each other and support each other. Without religion, it would be just people following their own design and trying to struggle and figure things out by themselves. We'd be alone. Without religion, there is no spirituality. It would be empty thoughts, hoping with no fruitfulness of hope. Whereas we have a hope, and we have a fruit of hope through our religion. Because it is through our religion. See, there's a difference between right religion and just religion. Most religions are people searching for God, and that's a good and noble thing to search for God. 
But what we have in our religion, God comes out and searches for us. God pursues us. God would choose to die on the cross for us. God would come to us right here on this altar, giving himself to us, renewing us and strengthening us each and every day for 2,000 years after he rose from the dead. He could have come and hit us with a lightning bolt, but he chooses not to. And that's right religion. We would give ourselves to him, and the amazing thing is that he gives himself to us.